Hello, Tea Crew, and welcome to a brand new episode of Tea Talk with Sha. This week, we're going to be talking about all the trending topics all over social media and the internet, and we're also going to be doing a deep dive into male stalking. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Stay tuned. All right, Tea Crew, I hope your mugs are ready because there's a lot to get into this week, so let's get started. The first, uh, Kelly Price's whereabouts. Where was the R&B superstar and why was there so much drama around her missing persons case? So let's get into it. Let's just start from the beginning and go through it. So Kelly Price had had a bad case of COVID, which she chronicled herself on her Instagram page in late July. After her COVID had escalated, Kelly had been admitted into the ICU. At that point, um, Kelly was still recovering um, from COVID and the symptoms of COVID when she was later released into a long-term care facility where she had instructed the caretakers at this facility and gave them only a few names of people who were allowed to know that she was a in that um, long care, long-term care facility and um, a few people that were to get updates on her condition. And this was all at her request. So that's what actually happened to Kelly. But in the background, there were a lot of other things going on. So after Kelly was released from the ICU, her children did not know her whereabouts. And so they were the ones who filed the missing persons report last week. And at that time, her sister's also alleged that they had not heard from her and that was not like Kelly and they wanted more information on their sister. Now, when the story broke that her children had reported her as a missing person, her lawyer came up almost immediately and said, no, Kelly Price is fine. She's not missing. You know, we know where she is. She's accounted for. So when the police did a wellness check, the lawyer did this release of information that she's fine. Now, a lot of people, including myself, were skeptical about the lawyer's statement and we wanted to hear something from a close family member or her kids, you know, the people that actually filed the police report to make sure that she was okay or an actual video from Kelly. Now, in the meantime, before we got the video from Kelly, we got a couple different appearances from Kelly's sisters saying they hadn't heard from her, the kids hadn't heard from her, and that people close to her were super concerned and worried. On the other hand, there were other close parties to Kelly that said she was not missing, that all of this drama is being riled up to help promote one of the sisters' albums, and we'll get to that in a second, and then that they had other motives for why they wanted to get themselves in the news rotation and talking to TMZ and doing interviews and stuff like that. So apparently, you know, Kelly it was is with her longtime partner and um, in the midst of everything that's been going on with her, a marriage certificate was dug up. So it looks like Kelly has married her longtime boyfriend um, in November 2020. So they are now husband and wife. So her husband is by her side. He knew about her whereabouts and a few other close friends that were speaking out on Kelly's behalf. Now, one of her sisters did actually release a music album on September 25th, and this was the day before Kelly came out with her statement. So it kind of seems like the family members that were speaking out, in a way, were speaking out to 
promote themselves and I don't know if that's true or not but it just seems like an odd time to put an album out if you're really concerned about the whereabouts of your sister okay Sunday the 26th Kelly did come out herself and she made a statement she talked about you know how she had passed away for a brief a brief time and they had to revive her and bring her back to life she had a very very serious case of COVID-19 and because of that they had to revive her she talked about you know why she didn't want so many people to know about her condition and how she wanted to heal privately and that may have given some people pause because they didn't know where she was they didn't know what was going on with the situation but that it was her choice to be you know that she wanted to heal privately and then she also said that her kids were manipulated by outside forces, be it family members or whoever it was, to file the missing persons report because her kids know, and I guess in their heart, that she wouldn't do something or make certain moves without letting them know. So I guess she assumed that the kids should be aware that unless I tell you otherwise, I'm fine. I'm doing well. There's nothing going on with mom. So this is what Kelly alleged. Now, in the midst of all this, other people have been speculating on the whereabouts of Kelly Price. One popular blogger went live and discussed, you know, the whereabouts, not one, several, but one in particular had went live and talked about, you know, Kelly Price for, you know, 20 to 30 minutes and the brat didn't like this. And she got on her live and she was just like, you know, we've been friends for a long time and I understand that your job is blogging and the news, you know, whoever's in the news is whoever is your job at that week. But she just did not appreciate the coverage on Kelly Price. And she was just like, you know, this woman was near death. This was a lot going on in her life for you to sit here and talk about her and her family and her kids and her sisters is just completely out of hand so she went off about it and she also said you know people are entitled to have their own private business and their own private thoughts which I completely agree with I mean it's not like Kelly Price had a reality show or something like that where we've always known beat by beat what was going on with Kelly Price Kelly has lived a pretty private life for the most part she'll get on live and talk about different things but for the most part she's a pretty private person so I can agree with the fact that you know maybe these like extensive lives or whatever was unnecessary but for the fans that were just literally concerned about her well-being and her health I mean it doesn't take much to just pick up the phone and tell your sisters or your kids or have your husband do it you know if you feel too weak just to give them an update on your health you know they could have been genuinely concerned and that's why they filed the report and then fans and stuff you know we're always concerned about what's going on especially in these times I mean we're losing so many icons so many celebrities left and right um, to all types of things, COVID, drugs, alcohol, you know, depression, all types of things. So yes, we're definitely going to be checking on our icons to make sure that they're okay and that they're doing well. Um, but long story short, Kelly is doing well. She released the tape, like I said, last night, she, you know, she spoke for herself in her own words and she didn't seem to be being led by anybody it seemed to be a recent video and so we're gonna take her word that everything is fine at this moment but boy it was a wild ride <laughs> all right let's get into the next topic 
R. Kelly was found guilty on all charges in his sex trafficking case. Um, now this case was the one where he was brought up on charges in association with transporting women across state lines to basically be involved in the sex trafficking ring between him and close associates of him that were sleeping with these women, some of age and some were under age. Now this uh, guilty verdict comes with a sentence of 10 to life. And as with his past um, conviction charges, his fans are outside saying they're not going to give up, but they're praying for Kelly and this, that, and the third. Um, I honestly feel like it's about time. You know, R. Kelly has been tap dancing with the law now for decades. Um, he is talented, and so people have let him slide, but the man is sick. He's been sick for a long time, and for him to get the help that he needs, I think it, there first has to be a realization of the things that you were doing were dead wrong. I, to this day, I think he's been in jail now almost two years awaiting trial. I, to this day, feel like he doesn't feel like he did anything wrong. That if he were asked, you know, what did you do wrong? He still wouldn't understand, you know, the extent of what he's done and how it has affected these women and how a lot of these women will just never be the same. Um, And so that's something that he's going to have to learn and live with and come to grips with. I would be happy with a 20 year sentence. I'll be happier with life. I hope they don't let him get off in 10 years because like I said, let's face it, he already served two that would only put him in jail for eight years. And I do feel as though when he gets out of prison, he will do the exact same things that he's done, if not worse. Um, and also what people have been, you know, people always ask, you know, do you listen to his music? I don't listen to his music and that's a personal choice of mine. I personally find it creepy to listen to his music, knowing that a lot of his music has been written based off of his love for underage women. And to me, that doesn't sit well. And when you really, now when you hear the lyrics or even like when they have the lyrics printed out and you can read the lyrics, like, you know, age ain't nothing but a number. And like, I don't see nothing wrong. And it seems like you're ready. Like all these, like to me, it's, it's grooming and it's, it's pretty gross. And I could never listen to that and be like, Ooh, you know, like, no, it's just not there for me. But some people can separate the creator from the creation and they listen to his music and they still enjoy it. So so much for him. My main thing is keep him in jail. Whether people listen to his music or don't listen to his music is whatever to me. I mean, you are putting money back into his pocket. So keep that in mind. But I, you know, it is what it is. I would just say it's, it's, it's your preference. It's what you can live with. Um, but I would definitely like to see him behind jail, behind bars for at least 20 years. I think that'll at least give the victims a sense of relief. I don't think that'll give them justice because let's face it, when you've been victimized and it takes 10, 15, 20, 30 years in some cases of these women that he's been, um, you know, that he's been doing this to for years and years and years, does it really feel like justice when it took 30 years for, you know, your assaulter to finally go to jail? Um, it, it, you know, I wouldn't say it's justice, but I think they'll have some relief knowing that he's off the street. Other women aren't being victimized by him at this moment and everyone can start to put the pieces together and move on with their lives. Um, you know, that's why I think about that. 
So the next topic, um, Miguel and Nazin have separated. The couple have been together for over 17 years. There was no um, reason for the separation listed uh, in the People article, but they wish each other well. That's just so sad to see. I really love them as a couple. I remember when Miguel first came out, he was so like edgy and stuff and people had assumed that he was homosexual. And then he came out with this like beautiful model and they were like such a cute couple together. They had a beautiful wedding. Um, but sometimes, you know, we, there was no reason given, but sometimes things just don't work out. But sometimes, you know, you take a break from each other and you get back together and you're stronger than ever. So maybe they're just taking a break. Maybe something happened between the two of them. They just need to kind of like cool off. Although the article did say they've been separated for a while now and just kind of keeping it to themselves. So I I don't know, but you know, wishing them both the best separately, Miguel, you could put some new music out maybe might help you with the healing process, asking for a fan. All right, so let's move on to the Real Housewives of Atlanta cast shakeup. Now, the Real Housewives of Atlanta was the crown jewel at one point of the Real Housewives franchise, right? When Real Housewives came out, they only had like Orange County, New York, I think maybe Beverly Hills, but there just wasn't, there definitely wasn't a black franchise, but there wasn't like that franchise that people just didn't miss episodes of. Um, when Real Housewives of Atlanta came out, like that was it. The girls were shut down at that point, but you know, the franchise has been losing viewership since, you know, some major key people have left and the storylines are getting a little drier and, and there's situations that are going on. And now they're releasing more information of yet another cast shakeup. So let's get into it. Cynthia Bailey will not be returning after 11 years on the show, she just released that information today that she's not going to be extending her contract with Bravo. And she thanked Universal and everyone um, for being there for her. I think, you know, this has done a lot for Cynthia. When Cynthia came on the show, admittedly, you know, she was having money problems and being on the show and being in public again and starting her modeling agency and then her wine cellar and stuff, you know, Real Housewives has been good to her as a franchise because let's face it, when you have side businesses and you're on TV every week, it's a good way to push your businesses um, if you can kind of stay out of the mess to some degree. So I think Cynthia really made out well, um, with the, with the franchise and I wish her the best of luck. I think she'll be fine. You know, she's married again. She is a grown daughter. She's focusing on her new marriage. This just makes the most sense. And honestly, since her wedding, there was nothing for her to really talk about. And if there's nothing for you to talk about on the show, they're going to find something to talk about on the show. So if you don't want to be, you know, the subject of, Oh, your husband's cheating or your daughter's running away or whatever, you know, that whatever the case is, if you don't have, if you're not coming with a storyline, they will make a storyline for you. So sometimes it's best to just bow out um, when there's not that much going on in your life. So, you know, I'm sure Cynthia will be fine. Now, also leaving the franchise is Portia Williams. As we all know, Portia was in that drama with Simon Gabadia and Fallon Pina. And so she is now getting her own show. And she's also on that Bravo chat room show. So I guess she figures that's enough for her and she's not going to do Housewives. Um, 
another new wife that's coming to the show, Sonia Richards Ross. Now I actually love Sonia, but I feel like this is going to be too in the mud for her. I feel like she's going to be more of like a Kim Fields type housewife that comes onto the show for a season and just leaves. I mean, she's about her son and her husband positivity. Um, she owns a mommy brand i think it's called like mommy nation or something with like matching clothes for the kids and the husband and wife and stuff and i just i don't know i don't know if she can get down and dirty with these women i possibly i don't know i don't think latoya forever is returning either sheree and phaedra are rumored to be returning i don't know what capacity as friend of the show or uh full-time cast members Drew was asked to come back as a full-time cast member. I do know that. Um, People that have exited the show lately are, you know, Tanya Sams. After the whole Bolo situation, she just left the show to never return. NeNe Leakes left the show the season before that. Um, And like I said, Portia Williams is also leaving um, to focus on her new family. Apparently, she's having like four weddings it, <laughs> her show will be interesting for sure, but I, I really, I like the fact that Portia hasn't spoken out on the situation with Simon and his ex-wife and the messiness, because I think that really saves a lot for the show. I think a lot of the reason why these reality shows are now not hitting the way they used to is because these women are now public figures. We can go on their social media. We can see what they're up to. We know what's going on in their lives. We know Teresa just sold her house. We know, you know, Nini just lost her husband. So it's like all the things they could use for a storyline that would play out in the season have already played out via social media and we've already seen everything. So it just makes every single argument, every single situation a regurgitation because we've already seen it before. So, you know, that's part of the issue probably with all the Real Housewives franchises. I mean, I like Sonya. Will I watch the show for Sonya? Probably not. Um, but I think it'll be an interesting dynamic between her and the other ladies and then throwing back in the mix Phaedra and Sheree. So, you know, we'll see what they come up with. All right, let's move on to the next topic, the conspiracy on the view. Now, this topic is very interesting. The conspiracy on the view is that the view itself or somebody higher up removed Sonny and um, Anna Navarro from the panel of the the people that interview or the view hosts because of the tough questions that they were going to ask Kamala Harris, our vice president. So Kamala was set to come on to the show. The rest of the cast was preparing for her entrance. And then all of a sudden production starts to yell from backstage that Sonny and Anna have to get off the desk immediately. So they get off the desk immediately. Kamala's supposed to come to the desk. Kamala then does her interview from another location, but she is there. But because Sonny and Anna tested positive, they don't want to expose her to that or whatever. And people are saying it's a conspiracy because just earlier that week, Sonny had went viral for her comments about the Haitian immigrants that were stopped in Texas. And apparently like 15,000 people were under a bridge seeking asylum. And the Texas border patrol was running them out with whips and, you know, pushing them into the river. It was like a whole thing. It was just disgusting. Um, and Sonny spoke out about it. And 
People are saying that Sonny and Anna would have asked the hard questions and kind of had a gotcha moment with Kamala. And so this is why they were removed. And then later it was found out that their COVID tests were a false positive. I honestly feel like this is true because, you know, Sonny was not shy about her comments. And I think she definitely would have came to Kamala with the hard question. Neither her or Joe have really, they both said it's disgusting, but they really haven't, you know, said anything other than that. And then there was all these flights back to Haiti. And we know that Haiti just had that huge earthquake. And um, most of the country is still in devastation due to that. So it was just like mixed messages coming from them. It's like, yeah, we find it disgusting. But at the same time, we're sending people back over there. I don't want to get into the politics of it because that's not the kind of show that we have. Um, But I'm just saying, do I think the conspiracy was true? I absolutely do. I think the conspiracy was true. And I think that daytime TV has done this in the past and they will continue to do it when they're aligned um, with specific people that they're going to make sure they're not showing these people in a negative light. Now, did they have approved questions for Kamala? I'm sure they had approved questions already, but do you think that in the passion of the conversation that maybe Sonny and or Anna would have thrown some other questions in there on a live show? Absolutely. And they didn't want to take the chance. That's really what I think. I think the set questions were out there, but when it comes down to wanting to take the chance, yes or no, the view and all that run the view said, no, we don't want to take the chance. We're going to call them off. COVID is such a convenient excuse these days. We can use COVID. We can say it's a false positive so we can have them back on the stage tomorrow. But for today, we're going to pull them. And that's honestly what I think happened. I don't know. I would like to know what you guys think in the comments. So after you listen to the episode, drop on down in the comments and let me know what you guys think. Cause I would, I really want to know what you guys think about this story in particular. Okay, guys, that has been the trending topics for today. Stay tuned for our sports report. Hello, hello, hello out there and welcome to the sports update with J-Rob. Today, I will be covering the NFL, so let's get started. The Atlanta Falcons defeated the New York Giants. Atlanta Falcons kicker Young Ho Koo kicked the game-winning field goal as time expired in the fourth quarter. The Giants have lost by a last second of field goal for two weeks straight. The Baltimore Ravens survived against the Detroit Lions. The Ravens kicker Justin Tucker made the game-winning field goal as time expired in the fourth quarter. The Denver Broncos shut out the New York Jets. The Jets rookie quarterback was sacked five times and threw two interceptions. The Las Vegas Raiders beat the Miami Dolphins. The Raiders start the season 3-0 for the first time since 2002. The Minnesota Vikings defeated the Seattle Seahawks. The Vikings shut out the Seahawks in the second half to secure the victory. The Los Angeles Rams beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford passed for 343 yards and four touchdowns. The Green Bay Packers defeated the San Francisco 49ers. The Packers hit a field goal as time expired in the fourth quarter to win the game. The Dallas Cowboys beat 
The Philadelphia Eagles, the Cowboys defended their home field and beat their NFC East rival. The Carolina Panthers beat the Houston Texans. The Panthers outscored the Texans 13-3 in the second half. The Cleveland Browns blew out the Chicago Bears. The Browns defensive end, Miles Garrett, set a single-game franchise record with four-and-a-half sacks on Bears quarterback Justin Fields. The Arizona Cardinals defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars. Cardinals cornerback Byron Murphy had two interceptions. He returned one interception for a touchdown. Los Angeles Chargers beat the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs have now lost two straight games. The Buffalo Bills destroyed the Washington football team. The Bills quarterback Josh Allen threw for 358 yards along with four touchdowns. The Tennessee Titans beat the Indianapolis Colts. Titans running back Derrick Henry rushed the ball for 113 yards on 28 carries. The Cincinnati Bengals defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow threw for 172 yards and three touchdowns. And the New Orleans Saints beat the New England Patriots. The Saints were up 14-3 at the half and never looked back. And this has been the Sports Update with J-Rob. Have an awesome week. All right, T-Crew, let's get into my favorite part of the podcast. This is the deep dive where I get to talk about something that I feel like hasn't been given that much attention in the media or something I feel like I have a unique perspective on. So today we're going to be talking about male stalking. Now, this is just the regular stalking, whatever, you know, definition you would use for stalking, but particularly when it happens to men. So I stumbled upon um, this example that we're going to get into later in the deep dive but it really got me thinking like is this a blind spot in society because like you know the male dominant masculine persona is put over everything to the point where people don't take male stalking seriously and men feel inferior when they feel like they have to report these stalking cases. So male stalking cases, 50 53% of them go unreported every single year with only about 12% of the stalking cases that are reported come to a resolution or solved. So over half of cases um, involving men that are being stalked go unreported. 53% are not even being reported at all. And then the remaining percentage that is being reported, only 12% of those cases are actually solved. So, I mean, honestly, understanding that as a man, like, would you want to report your stalking? Because if you report it or you don't report it, statistically, you know, you're likely to get the same result of absolutely nothing happening. So let's get into this case study. Um, I actually found this on Instagram through a friend who sent it to me. But of course, I read it and went down the rabbit hole. And um, so we're going to get into this case study. I've changed the names. Um, even though this person does have a public Instagram, I don't know, you know, I don't know the person and I don't know 
you know, if he'd be comfortable with his story being told. So I have changed the name so it can just remain a case study. So we're going to call the male in the situation, Ken, and the girl in the situation, um, will be called Sammy. Now, Ken broke it off with Sammy after seeing text messages that, um, showed that Sammy was cheating on him, right? So Sammy is cheating. The text messages are very flirtatious. They basically show that Sammy has had outside relationships during their relationship and that Sammy is also bragging to her friends about hooking up, meeting up with, and being like planning on being promiscuous again with other people. Okay. So we've all seen situations of cheating. I think it can really go generally two ways where it's like a mistake. You never want to do it again. You hope nobody finds out. You're like so embarrassed about it because you really love your partner and you made a mistake versus, you know, somebody who's cheating. That's just like, yeah, it's a sport for me. I do this. I can get away with it. Nobody's ever going to find out. And it's more of just kind of like, I don't plan on stopping and I don't plan on anybody finding out. Well, Ken found out and he immediately broke it off with Sammy. Since the breakup, Ken blocked Sammy on all social medias and he also blocked her on his phone. Ken moved and he changed his phone number twice. Sammy continued to find his new numbers and his new addresses. Um, and so, you know, I just, Imagine how you would feel if you changed your phone number twice for a particular person, that particular person still continues to find your phone number. And once they find it, they literally text you and message you day and night until you have to block them. Then they continuously find other numbers to call you on and telling you to unblock them. I mean, Ken showed pages and pages of messages from Sammy telling him to unblock her, give her another chance to stop being like this. And Ken like hardly ever responded. If he would respond, he would only say, you know, I'm only responding to tell you that I'm never going to change my mind. Please move on with your life. I'm trying to move on with my life. Like it seems like for all intents and purposes that Ken is being civil. And also it's important to note that all of this is coming from Ken and I'll tell you why towards the end. So all of these accounts are coming from Ken and not being corroborated by Sammy, but let's face it. If you're stalking somebody, would you admit it? Hmm? All right. So keep that in your mind. So Sammy found a way to find out his new phone numbers and find out where he's living. Ken then filed seven police reports and he has been being stalked for approximately six months now, which makes sense to me. So the first month or so he filed a police report and he's been filing a police report every month since then, probably just describing the escalation of the stalking. She probably just started off calling him and messaging him. And, you know, then it went to the extreme of, you know, coming to his house and whatever else she was doing. So Sammy also released intimate photos and videos of herself and Ken, and she sent them to prospective employers. She also started an OnlyFans account with the same content, um, making it seem like it was coming from Ken. So this is, there's a name for this now. It's called revenge porn. 
And revenge porn is basically when you take um, images or videos created in a consensual relationship and after the breakup to get back at the person, you then release these videos to the public or to small groups of people. But this is something that is a very serious offense and you could go to jail for revenge porn. It's a thing. It's, you know, it's a felony. You can't just run around um, dispersing this because it does ruin lives. Um, like with the OnlyFans account, you know, people th- thought for a while that Ken had an OnlyFans because Sammy was posting videos of the two of them, two of them cropping herself out for the most part and basically leaving Ken out there exposed completely. Um, Ken has reached out on social media for help because he's asked several times, like, what do I do in the situation? I'm not sure what to do in this situation. I don't feel like the police are helping me and I really need to get a hold of, you know, something that's going to give me some relief because Sammy is like making his life a living hell. And how I said I couldn't get Sammy's side of the story. So Sammy's Instagram is still open. I did go to it. I found out some information about her, but she is limiting her comments and all of her um, content is just curated. So it's just like her on vacation, her at brunch, you know, it's nothing like nothing you could get any information from. And also it just seems like knowing this story and that he's tagging her in this story, she limited her comments, you know, she kept her page open, but there's not very much there because she knows that people are going to read Ken's story, come over to her Instagram and try to, you know, get more information out of her or whatever the case may be. You know, I, I really feel for men that are in this situation because what can you really do he's already moved he's already changed his phone number um you know she emails him day and night apparently he can't change his email because it's tied to something that he has at work or whatever the case so he tries to spam um filter out her emails as spam but she just gets new email addresses and stuff like that to continuously um, harass him and she's been harassing him now for so long that he just goes ahead and you know claims that email is spam and just keeps it moving because it's happened so frequently he wouldn't be able to change email addresses that often you know he would just miss a lot of emails probably as he's missing a lot of calls um what do you do you know what can you really do and this is I brought this story up to kind of talk about like when things are over and you really find yourself slipping into that kind of abyss, it's really important to seek help because the things that you're doing to somebody, I mean, I thank God that Ken isn't suicidal or isn't thinking about harming himself because of this, but you could really push somebody to the point when you are constantly harassing them and he has gone to the authorities. There's really nothing else that Ken can do in my mind because he's done everything he can do. He's filed several police reports. He's made himself not accessible to her. You know, he's moved, he's changed his phone number. I mean, the only thing he could really do is like go off the grid but, you know, we don't know the background. He didn't mention like what he does for work and, you know, the different things that you would need to know if you're going to go off the grid. And also it's almost like the person has won if you have to change your life to the extent of changing your job, leaving everything, you know, moving up into the mountains just to get away from somebody. That's ridiculous. And I really feel like the police should be able to do more in this circumstance. I mean, he's given her 
her numbers. He's, I mean, if nothing else, but to go to her house and serve her with the restraining order and just being like, listen, you know, you have this restraining order. The next time you order food to his house or just stop by or continuously call him back to back to back, we're just going to come to your house and we're going to pick you up for, um, stalking and harassment. And just go ahead and make it plain to her that this is no longer a joke. You're not going to win him back. You know, this, that's, oh, that's dead. Like that's over. We're telling you now this is a serious criminal offense. And if you continue to do this to him, you're going to go to jail because there's nothing else that she seems to connect with because she really just wants the relationship back. And if I could speculate um, <laughs> a little further, and I feel like I can because I, I didn't use their real names, but I, I honestly feel like the only reason why she wants Ken back is because Ken called her out on her stuff and she really thought she can be a type of person to have her cake and eat it too, you know, have this like loving relationship at home and then still mess around and do whatever she was doing. And Ken caught wind of it. And he was like, absolutely not. I'm not going to be made to do whatever you want me to do. I'm definitely going to think for myself and stuff. And so because Ken did this, I feel like she's embarrassed and she's like, there's no way I'm losing my way of life. And now she has to get Ken back just to kind of like reestablish the balance that she had in her life do I think because I'm like do you really want a relationship if you're making a sport out of cheating on this man like absolutely not you don't want him um so if I had to speculate that's what I would say but yeah I mean she needs to get help I would hope that the you know as this story goes viral and blows up the um the town that he's in or the jurisdiction that he's in will take it more seriously and serve her with that restraining order and really keep her away from his property so he can have some type of peace of mind. I mean, she will not abide by the restraining order. They should go pick her up and put her in jail. That's how that goes. If you cannot let somebody live and it's really bothering you to that extent, they should go and pick her up. Um, that's how I feel about it. But for guys that are in this situation, you know, just keep your head up, definitely file a police report. I know it doesn't seem like it makes that much of a difference, but at least you can have it on record. If anything escalates, God forbid you have it on record. So it's not a, he said, she said situation. It protects you, you know, it protects what you've been through and you know, your story can then be corroborated by some evidence. I would definitely go ahead and file that police report, you know, and just keep your head up and hope for the best. At some point, the person, it'll get through to them, whether they get it on their own or they get it from behind bars. And that's all I have to say for this deep dive. Stay tuned for our outro comments. All right, T-Crew, this is my least favorite part of the podcast where I have to say goodbye to you guys. I just want to thank you all for listening and sharing the podcast, telling your friends and family about it. It really helps to grow um, our listenership, so I really appreciate that. As always, arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. We won't stop until she gets the justice that she rightly deserves. Have a beautiful day or night wherever you are, and I love you for listening. Bye!